Welcome to the Inside Aesthetics Podcast. We host real conversations with real experts from around the world. Away from the filtered bubble of social media, our aim is to educate listeners and explore any topic in the cosmetic and wellness space. We also get a unique insight into the business minds of the entrepreneurs and pioneers who have helped shape our industry. This podcast and its related publications provide news and general information about procedures and products. You should seek professional medical advice and assessment before considering any treatment. Episode 100 is here. Yay! Yay. Happy <laughs> happy centenary, David. <laughs> oh, we've just been playing around with this new piece of equipment and um, we're both pulling... Oh, well, I've got no more hair left to pull out. But, uh, <laughs> Let's not dwell on that. Let's dwell on our 100th episode. So, yes. um, took a long time, but almost two years to that. Two the years. Day, actually, I believe. Two years. Um, we've spoken to a lot of people. Yeah, I was just making our compilation um, video with all of our guest messages and it's, um, well, first it's incredible how many people have come on and the calibre of people that have come on, but yeah, just counting through them, it's like, wow, that's a lot of work that we've put in. Yeah, you don't, well, I guess when you count up all the hours emailing people, planning podcasts, editing them, working with our sound engineer, working with people's various um, like PAs or clinic, clinic managers, or it's just been been mental let's be honest yeah <laughs> we should have given up a long time ago yeah but we're here we made it to 100 and as promised we've got a very special guest lined up for this episode so jake do you want to tell us tell us well tell the audience who it is that's going to be talking on this milestone 100th episode well let's do one of our nice formal introductions okay our special guest for our 100th episode is dr paul nasif Dr. Nassif is a world-renowned facial plastic surgeon, revision rhinoplasty surgery expert, and he specializes in ethnic rhinoplasty surgery. He's the co-star of the hit show Botched, now renewed for its seventh season and is screened in over 100 countries. In each episode, Dr. Nassif and his colleague, Dr. Terry Dubrow, assess and treat some of the most complex cosmetic problems and botched surgeries in the world. In addition to his surgical practice and TV commitments, Dr. Nassif owns two world-class Medispas, offering the full spectrum of skin and non-surgical treatments. To complement this, Dr. Nassif also created his own skincare product range called Nassif MD Dermaceuticals that are available exclusively in Australia through TVSN. So Jake, what did we discuss in this episode? Well, firstly, we were very lucky to be put in touch with Dr. Nassif yes. by um, our friend and colleague and podcast um, ex-alumni... <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Kurosh Tavakoli. Yes. Um, so, of course, through the plastic surgery sort of fraternity, um, we reached out. And uh, luckily, um, Dr. Nassif was very gracious to, to take our emails and our, and our um, communication. And we managed to get there quite quickly, actually. It was actually a lot better than some of our guests. Yeah. And a lot of that's thanks to his wife, Brittany, who helped expedite the process. And yes. a big thank you to Dr. Tavakoli. It was obviously fascinating to get someone on um, who's so well known, who's also a plastic surgeon. Um, and in this episode, we explore obviously the botched TV show. Yeah. Um, why Dr. Nassif got into complex revision surgery. Um, we also touch on some of his sort of um, sort of uh, extended things outside of surgery. So his Medispa, he's actually got two, and also his skincare range. Mm, no, it was a great episode, and 2021 is going to bring some. New and exciting changes to IA, one of which is going to be video content. Yeah, so um, we'll hopefully have that up and running 
by the end of January, I would hope, mm-hmm. um, including some material obviously from this podcast. So that will be sort of a separate arm to to IA, I guess, because that will live on YouTube. Uh, obviously, it's visual, yep. whereas the the gold standard sort of IA will still be your Friday podcast. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, um, yes. we're going to do at least one, I guess, mini series, if you want to call it that, um, and we'll release these on some Wednesdays. Um, so we still haven't sort of decided when we'll drop our first one, but the the first mini series will be six episodes focusing on what I think we're going to call the beauty of the world. Mm. And basically we're going to focus on beauty, aesthetics and injectable trends of the various continents. That's going to be quite an interesting one. And, and you injectors out there who are hungry for more injectable type stuff, this is, this is for you. We know that, um, you know, some of the episodes resonate with others, um, you know, depending on, on what you're into, but I know that the injectors are our core listener. And so um, hopefully we'll be giving you a bit more bonus content throughout the year. Yeah. Um, first one being this miniseries. Yeah. It'll be nice to hear the way that people approach aesthetics in different parts of the world and what's on trend and how they approach different facial structures. So even for someone that's not an injector, I'm really looking forward to those discussions. Yeah. So we'll be looking at um, beauty in India, Africa, the Middle East, Europe, Asia, and South America. Mm. So watch out for those ones. All right. Well, enough talking for us. You guys enjoy episode 100 with Dr. Nassif. Enjoy, guys. Good morning, Paul. Jake. Hello. Hey, how guys. are you? How are you doing? Good. How are you? Fantastic. Is that a Christmas tree in the background? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we got to get that. Nice to meet you guys. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Nassif. Um, your, um, well, our mutual friend, Dr. Kourosh Tavakoli, put us in contact. How did you... Meet Kourosh originally. Uh, I was in Australia because I go there quite a bit pre-COVID uh, to Sydney because I have my complete skincare line at TVSM. And he's got a great boat. And he's got yeah. an incredible boat. <laughs> did, you go, how would it, did you guys go out in Sydney Harbour? Yeah, we did. Actually, what we did too, which was crazy, it took me, you know where everyone was going, you know, in Sydney Harbour, then you go where that zoo is? Yes, Taronga. Yes. Taronga Zoo. Yes. But everyone parks out there on the beach, but we were there. And so he made me, which I don't, I can't believe I did this because of all your bull sharks out there. But <laughs> yeah. actually, I, I swam off the boat. Oh my god! Wow. And, you know, I, of course, and and everyone else does out there too. But you know, I'm going. You guys are crazy out there doing that. Yeah, in Australia, we've got uh, so many things that are trying to kill us. Yeah, <laughs> you got a lot of um, a lot of crazy. The, the most dangerous animals in the world are in Australia. So congratulations on the birth of your child. That must be very, very exciting for yourself and Brittany. Oh, yeah. I'll show you real quick. Hold on. We just took this. I've got to show you this photo. Okay. We have, you know, Dr. Paulino soon. Oh, she's absolutely Oh, she's already in scrubs. <laughs> How old is she now? She will be on Monday, uh, 10 weeks. Or nine weeks or 10 weeks? Nine weeks. Beautiful. Yeah, Brittany's um, in the background here. Let's see if we can watch watch this. Brittany, just hey, put Brittany, your head by you? the door. Uh oh, she's feeding the dog. I can hear her doing the can opener for the dog food. <laughs> what dog do you have? She, you know, a big German Shepherd. Oh, very nice. We'll, we'll bring him by too. Shark, sharky. Um, yeah. He's sharky because when he was a puppy, he had very sharp teeth. Ah. Are you guys getting any sleep at the moment with Paulina, or or how do you juggle things? Because obviously you're a busy man. Um. Yeah, I mean, I have to sleep because of, you know, work and, and surgery. <laughs> so I do get to sleep. Uh, Brittany, and then she gets a little help once in a while. Yeah. Uh, 
she obviously has a blunt of it. But the good thing right now is the baby's actually uh, waking up at 1.30 or 2 o'clock, and then 6.30 or 7. So things are going well for the, uh, the night training. Yeah. Yes. Gosh. <laughs> We've got um we've got so much that we want to talk to you about. And one of the things that we really want to talk about is is your skincare, which we'll get to. Um, but I guess maybe just start off by talking about, and it seems like we talk about this with a lot of guests at the moment, is just the COVID situation and how it's impacting um your work, things, you know, in your local community. In Australia, we've been sort of quite lucky, but I know that you guys are still dealing with quite a lot of that over in, in the States at the moment. Um, how's that all going? Well, right now it's horrible. I mean, this is I think I, I think the numbers are the highest they've ever been. Uh, and let's see, it's, here, hold on, watch this. There she goes over there. Hey, Brittany. Where is she? <laughs> no, she's hiding. She's, oh, she, she's actually feeding the dog. <laughs> so just walk by and just wave them. Come on, just say hi for a minute. Thank you for coordinating the emails as well, okay. Brittany, by the way. She's, they said thank you for coordinating everything. So LA right now is in a bad situation, Los Angeles County. Um, Hospitalizations and our ICUs are packed. And um, the numbers are, I think, bigger every day, breaking records every day. I assume from after our Thanksgiving holiday that we had a few weeks ago, uh, that's what really spiked this. And it's not even that cold out here. So right now, we're not doing that great. And we just got our FDA approval for the vaccine, and they're actually shipping it out, as a matter of fact, today, I think, to many hospitals, and for healthcare workers and frontline workers, and um, also older folks that are immunocompromised or, you know, live in, um, uh, you know, live in these, uh, you know, the, the facilities that, uh, you know, the nursing, skilled nursing facilities. And how's your own practice sort of been changed by COVID and also obviously filming and TV, et cetera, that you're involved in? What's changed? Um, well, two things. Let's see, for Botched, we are filming. We're filming season seven. Mm-hmm. They made that announcement about a month ago. Congratulations. And, you know, the, we have, they have to follow, you know, TV shows, but we're very stringent. has to follow certain guidelines for filming. We're testing all the time. Uh, and so there's a very, very strict and specific guidelines that are followed for that. For my office, um, I'm operating, and especially me operating on the face, uh, it's a little bit more, shall we say, riskier. Yes. So patients are all tested beforehand, and they have to quarantine and the whole bit. So it's definitely affected. I mean, every, everything is, uh, nothing is back to normal here. And yeah. it probably will not come really back to normal because everything is closed. Probably here for another six months. Yeah. Wow. So in all your visits to us, I know that you're a regular visitor to Australia. I was just curious what your thoughts and observations were on the Australian aesthetic market and sort of how it compares to what's going on in the States in terms of trends and the way that doctors approach things and patients. I have to tell you, to me, Australia, Sydney is like Los Angeles. It reminds me of Los Angeles. Um, The people are fantastic, very, very nice uh, in Sydney, the aesthetics to me have been the same, especially when it comes to body contouring, even though I only do the face, exactly the same. I have a lot of patients from Australia. I still Zoom with all the time, even though the traveling has come down, obviously. Uh, and I find that Southern California and Australia are so similar mm. in so many ways, including aesthetics. I don't really see anything different. You know, they're on the cutting edge. 
trendy, you know, uh, and not too extreme though. Uh, obviously, the the best thing is that you know conservative surgery, not looking fake, not looking unusual. That's the only negative thing. Uh, sometimes out in Southern California, you'll see a little bit of overdone stuff. Not in Australia, conservative, yeah. but they got great taste. Yeah, I, I I guess it depends on where in Australia, because I know that like Sydney's probably similar to what you're saying, but maybe up in Queensland, it's a little more extreme, perhaps akin to what you get down in Miami. That sort of thing. You do have your extreme pockets of the countries for sure. I have friends in uh, Queensland, and at least the ones I know, you know better than I do, Dave. Uh, you know, the ones I know are all normal, thank God. None of them <laughs> have big butts, big lips, big boobs. Dr. Nasif, obviously, Botch has been massive success, and you know, congrats again for going into season seven. Can you just tell us where it all started and, and, and how, how you met Terry as well? Like, we're just curious to know the origins of the show. Sure. Um, first of all, I've known uh, Terry for over 21 years, <clears throat> pre-botch. Matter of fact, um, my mom and my sister met him back in the 90s. Right. And matter of fact, while Terry was still in Newport Beach, where he is, uh, he actually came up and he practiced in my office a couple of days a week back in the old days. Yeah. So we've known each other uh, since then. And then um, he and I were talking. He did a bunch of shows. He did The Swan and this other one called Bridalplasty. Uh, and then, of course, they were on the Housewives of Orange County and we were on the Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yeah. So he's always been a great, you know, I mean, the guy's funny. I mean, he's got the personality. I'm more the straight guy. He's an excellent surgeon. So um, I was sitting with the producers of the housewives of Beverly Hills after we were already off the show, my uh, ex-wife and I was already divorced at that point. And um, we're having dinner at a restaurant. And so just one of the, uh, one of the partners and I just started talking about another idea, extreme plastic surgery and fixing it, you know, something gone wrong. And uh, so at that point we started talking about it and I said, well, I can only do the face. We need someone for the body. And that's when I mentioned Terry and we call him at the dinner table and he goes, that's the stupidest idea for a show I've ever heard. We're going to go take things that have been, you know, uh, you know, destroyed, ruined and try to fix them on TV. Yeah. And try to fix them on TV, show all the complications. I go, yes, that's exactly right. And we did a, like a five minute, what we call scissor wheel, just us talking about it. And then E picked it up just like that. And we're in 166 countries. And as a matter of fact, the United States is the first country, the biggest uh, popular viewership. Number two is the UK. Number three is Australia. Yeah, there we go. We love it over here. I was curious um, what led you to sort of focus in on revision surgery, because I think for, for many doctors and, and injectors or surgeons that you and you take on a case that's already been, you know, botched or there's been an issue, there's obviously an enormous amount of pressure the patient's generally already quite anxious. They've got, you know, might be suffering with some, you know, short-term mental illness issues because of the stress of it all. That's physically very difficult to correct, especially with the stuff that you're doing with rhinoplasties, which even as a primary surgery is extremely difficult. What led you down that path and how do you sort of cope with all that added pressure? So Dave, what you said is 100% correct. <clears throat> you have a lot of also BDD, body dysmorphic yes. disorder, or some OCD issues. And when you're dealing with that population, even first-time rhinoplasties are difficult. The most difficult surgery of all in plastic surgery is rhinoplasty. 
Yeah. Because small changes can really destroy the nose years later. Yeah. Um, you know, when I first came to Beverly Hills, I had a, a pretty good rhinoplasty, you know, primary first time training after my fellowship in facial plastic surgery. Really nothing in revisions. And when I came to Beverly Hills as a small fish in a huge sea, I said, I need to take on something that not many doctors are doing so I can build a name, you know, name for it. Because, you know, there you got to do something different. Back when I was growing there, back in uh, the early, you know, in the 1990s, late 1990s, early 2000s, um, you had to do something special. And so I loved rhinoplasty. And I said, I want to teach myself and learn how to do revision rhinoplasty. And, I, and so that's number one. That's how I got started. Not knowing anything about the patient, not knowing about the difficulty aspect. Then after 20 years, and even to this day, it's still very hard. Um, actually, it never gets easier because you're dealing with patients sometimes that are unrealistic or expect perfection or, or just basically, um, you know, remorseful that they even did it. Why do they touch their nose? And no matter how great of a surgeon you are, you know, you're still going to have complications, especially revision surgery, blood supply, everything else. And you got to tell the patients up front, you know, a lot of bad things can happen to your nose. And most of the time they understand are cool and appreciative. Other times, sometimes they forget you said it and, they're, and it's difficult. So it's really hard uh, emotionally for the doctor and, of course, the patient uh, when things just don't go the way they're supposed to go. And that happens with revision or first time rhinoplasty surgery. It happens. Ask um, the dynamic of you and um, Dr. Dubro together works really well, partly obviously because the chemistry, but also because the the interaction with the patient, sort of two experts reinforcing this is a bad idea, seems to work really well. Was that deliberate, or was that just uh, you know it just sort of came about um, sort of you know, unexpectedly that patients were listening to you better? Well, no, we, we've always wanted to kind of get the concept of getting some out of the earth. Uh, out of the, into the galaxy, patients had had all these crazy things done. <laughs> and um, we bring them in, and we've had a good matter of fact, a few from Australia, matter of fact. And we try to educate, same time, it's crazy and wild and it's, it's entertaining, but we always try to do a learning aspect, um, teach everyone watching the show of what not to do. Yes. So you get the entertainment, but the teaching educational value simultaneously. Yep. And that's one of the ways, that's what makes the show uh, all very popular. In terms of, um, you know, the logistics of the filming, how, how long does it take to film a season and how do you juggle, you know, your everyday private practice with, with TV? Well, we work on a, let's say a five day work week, a day and a half is dedicated to botched. Yeah. And um, if you film, you know, because these are long seasons to film, you know, the minimum, the average is about nine, 10 months a year. Yeah. You film. Yeah. And, um, you know, and you and because remember, and also these patients, you know, it really takes a long time for them to heal. Yeah. In terms of um, recruiting patients for the show, I'm just like wondering, like, what sort of numbers are you getting in terms of people like, you know, because I know you've got something on your website where people can, you know, apply if they want to come on the show. How many people do you get applying and how do you, base your selection criteria like how do you choose who's going to come on and who you're going to put on yeah put on the show yeah i mean the way it works is this uh, first of all first season when we had eight shows eight episodes i think we had a casting company that we hired internally and they had 500 people applied for the show 
Uh, and now we have over 10,000 people apply wow. to there's a we have a complete casting department wow. just for botched. <clears throat> and we have a you know great executive who leads that up. And um, the way it works is they screen the patients first, and the production company finds the patients they like, and then they submit them to the you know to the network E. And so they have different steps they have to pass. One, the production company, the casting people. Casting people first, uh, production company second, the uh, network E third. Then they have to go through a medical and psychological screening process four. Five, they come to us and we look at them. So we're the final step. Okay, I was going to so say, they do get you to guys us, have yeah. the final say? Well, yeah, because if there's someone we know we can't help or something, you know, we, we let them know. But, you know, in the old days when it was really hard surgery, you know, it used to be no, 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 yes, because we didn't have that skill set to do it because these were the hardest surgeries in the world. Even as revision specialists, we didn't. Then mid-season, season three, we were yes, 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 no, 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 maybe 50-50. Now it's yes, 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 no. Yeah. So, you know, and because we're, we're doing these very hard surgeries and, you know, again, the skill set uh, uh, progresses. In, in all of the cases that you guys have done, do you have a, you know, like a top three that stick out on your mind of the most unbelievable botched patients? Well, I got to tell you, every season there's a crazy story, you know, from drunk drivers to, uh, you know, motorcycle accidents and the stories associated with them, you know, and they're just crazy. Some of the things are dentists doing breast augmentations. Uh, things like that. But, but one of the stories that just is a sentimental story is we had a patient who was driving a little moped in Italy. Somehow, you know, lost control, hit a wall. Really uh, did some damage or renounced. So she had surgery at an excellent institution uh, in, in Boston, Massachusetts. And um, then what happened? Uh, we saw her when she came in. She had a little constant leak out of one of her nostrils. So that was a little bit weird to me was I see a, you know, one-sided, I think of something to do with the brain, yes. like a leak of fluid. So I got a CT scan on her and that CT scan came back. She had three aneurysms in her brain, oh, God. blood vessels that were dilated. And soon at one point, just even straining a little bit, you pop them and you're, you know, and you're gone. So we discovered that. And at that point we found her an incredible doctor back East in the United States and she got it taken care of, saved her life. And then she came and had her surgery and she had a daughter who was autistic and she never wanted to do things outside with her daughter because her nose really drove her that crazy. Yeah. So after we fixed her, she was able to do things with her autistic daughter. So it just was a wonderful heartfelt story. I think season three. Yeah. I was going to just uh, mention, and maybe you can just speak to this briefly, is that I think that when people hear the word botched and they think about surgery that's gone wrong, I think there is, there is an automatic um, assumption that the doctors made a mistake. Um, but maybe it's worth just mentioning or highlighting that it's also, there's a lot of responsibility on patients as well to make sure that they follow instructions, um, following surgery, do the right thing that isn't going to impact their results or their outcome. Because I just think that people just go, oh, the doctor made a mistake. Yeah. I mean, obviously the term botched is for botched surgery yeah. and the majority are, you know, yeah. uh, in general, but it takes three things. I mean, I mean, number one, uh, 
the doctor cannot be the best physician or not trained to do the procedure or just not that experienced and a bad thing could happen to the patient and it's really solely due to the doctor managing the patient or two, the patient can have a, a fantastic surgeon do a good surgery, but due to healing and complications, things don't go well. Yeah. And that happens to all of us. All of us that operate, we all have complications. Uh, three, um, the patients. And it could be a mismatch in, you know, of everything, you know, basically, I mean, uh, you know, one and three and two and three. Three is the patient not following instructions. Um, you know, so there's so many things that can happen, but the patients have to follow instructions too. You got to be a good patient because if you do things wrong, you can get an infection, you can cause bleeding. Yeah. You can really cause adverse uh, events to occur if you don't follow instructions. But surgery is a real thing. It's, you know, it's just like a heart attack. It's real. I um, ask what happens sort of behind the scenes, obviously with, you know, like David mentioned, some of these patients are pretty brittle mentally, but what support do you have in-house to help them psychologically? In general or for botched? Uh, for, for the show particularly, because so you know, people show. come from yeah. all over the world occasionally and they may yeah. sort of go back to their own country and be sort of stuck. Mm-hmm. Well, one, first of all, they have to pass the psychological screening. Okay. But that doesn't catch everything sometimes. You know, a lot of these patients need a lot of hand-holding because they're extremely complex surgeries. And if that's the case, they have a producer that is assigned to them, kind of yeah. like their buddy who follows them every which way possible and emailing and calling and seeing in person, et cetera, et cetera. And so that person becomes their friend. Yeah. And then they get us the information or, you know, we also see the patients follow up. And um, so usually, you know, we try with the doctor's office and with the producer, you know, to keep the patient um, as best as possible, emotionally stable. Yeah. You have two amazing um, Medispas that you have set up. Um, you've got one in Beverly Hills and you've got one in Manchester. Um, in terms of um, how that all came about, in terms of setting something up overseas, and just tell, just tell us all about your Medispa and what you do there. Well, in my office in Beverly Hills, I have the medical office and attached to it is the spa. And the spa, a Medispa, is where, you know, you've all, you have them out in Sydney everywhere. Yes. Um, and every doctor pretty much has one. Same thing. It's an extension of the practice, which has, you know, from cold sculpting to laser, to fillers, to Botox, all that. Yeah. All and the we, minimally to non-invasive procedures. And we also understand that Brittany is a cold sculpting expert. Yep. She is a cold sculpting expert. Exactly. She hasn't had to do me yet, but <laughs> you know, I wanted to at one point. Um, and so that's how it is. I have a nurse practitioner uh, who's uh, fantastic. Um, Laura in Beverly Hills, and that really helps when you have a you know great physician extenders. Absolutely. Um, and then UK, the Amanda who runs it, uh, she was a patient of mine in Los Angeles, but she's wow. from the UK since I have patients all over the world, and she was always wanting to be in the aesthetic world. And so what she did, she actually said, "Hey, you know, can we partner up and can we do something?" And um, and so I said, that's a fantastic idea. So she put a beautiful spa together in Manchester, England. Brilliant. Yeah. I don't know if you know, I studied in Manchester and I actually knew one of your injectors, Dr. Jane, Dr. Jane Leonard. 
I know oh, she doesn't yeah. work with you now, but uh, it, it looks a beautiful yeah. place she was showing me when, when she first worked there. Um, what did I you think I, I met her when I first got there, I think. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. So um, tell us about your skincare range, then, the CFMD Dermaceuticals, because that's quite interesting, because I think you originally developed an in-house skincare um, sort of product line just for your patients. So it wasn't originally available you know, for the public, but now, of course, you've expanded that. So just tell us about the evolution of that. Yes, I mean, you know, the skincare line is something because as a facial plastic surgeon, <clears throat> there's things that my scalpel can't do, and that's take care of the skin. And a lot of these patients may or may not be taking care of their skin properly or dehydrated or not, not, um, not exfoliated. And so I said, it's time, you know, so for my own patients, I had certain products they were using. So I finally said, I think I meant four or five years ago, it's time to do my own thing. Yeah. And expanded it on a TV shopping and other venues in the United States. Um, and also, um, I, th- I think three, three and a half years ago, I um, joined TVSN in Australia. Yes. And um, the general manager there is a friend of mine named Judy. And she, they've been a great partner. And I have my whole skincare line. And it has to do with hydration, great antioxidants, and exfoliation. Yeah. And uh, this is how we got started out here. And it's exclusive to TVSN at this point. And so, you know, I come out here and, you know, we do TV shopping. And, you know, we have a huge following. The patients out here and the folks love it. And then we're doing Canada now. And then we are launching in January at uh, QVC UK. Brilliant. And then, of course, we sell, you know, in the United States, other places. And I think um, skincare is something that there seems to be so many products on the market, but not not many people do it well and they don't seem to understand the importance of it. I know that Jake, you can probably speak to this as well as an injector. You'll get patients that come in that want you to perform a miracle. They want the instant result of the filler or, or, the, or, the, or the Botox. And it's like your canvas isn't good enough. You need to be looking after your skin holistically because you can stick a filler in, but if you just don't have the integrity there in, in, in the skin, it's just going to look nonsense. It just makes your life so much difficult as a surgeon and Jake as an injector. Would you agree? Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, we've spoken about this a thousand times on the yeah. podcast, David. People want that quick fix. Um, they're not interested in looking after themselves and kind of doing the boring stuff at home, which is actually the easiest stuff. You know, sun protection, moisturizing, um, you know, inducing their collagen. So, um, Doctor Steve, tell me, tell us about the range itself. What are your sort of top three sellers, and you know, what do those products provide? Yeah. Um... The number one and two hero products are my detox pads. And my detoxification purification pads do like 10 different things. And you use them uh, twice a day. And they take off makeup 108% better than soap and water. And they exfoliate and they take care of fine lines and wrinkles, close the clean and close the pores. They do all that. That's number one. Number two, at the same point, is my Hydra screen, which is basically, I call it liquid gold. It's an <laughs> extremely super hydrating serum. That your skin drinks it, and it's uh, it's microspheres of hyaluronic acid with a stable form of retinol, and sphingolipids and glycosyramides to actually help keep that moisture layer in. Right. So we got a lot of hydration, and there's also uh, with the retinol, the fine lines and wrinkles, but we're keeping the moisture barrier in. And the other thing is, I have a lot of antioxidants. Yeah, and you know what antioxidants are? Basically, it's they call the oxidative process where these things out in Going outside, there's these free radical ad- aggressors that attack your body, your internal organs, your skin. 
And so that's why you have antioxidant to prevent that, to stop destroying your skin. Yeah. I saw something really cool um, on your website, I think it was. You did a Vizier scan of oh, someone yes. with makeup, uh, yeah. half face just washed with soap and water, the other side cleaning with your detox pads. Detox pads. And yeah, it was really interesting. You know, just from an injector's point of view, we, we have people coming in with thick, you know, sunscreens or makeup. We always ask them to come, uh, you know, bare skinned and they never do. And you're never quite sure whether you've cleansed properly. Mm-hmm. You know, you certainly don't want to put your needle through and take bacteria into the skin. So I thought that was a great um, kind of little snapshot of what your detox pads do. Yeah, I mean, what we, we, we treat every patient um, before they're treated, we, we use a detox pad on them. Um, and then, of course, sterilize with alcohol or whatever. But we want to get those pores clean before we do anything. Yes. And get, and get all the layers of gunk off their face. Is he using um, chlorhexidine or anything else? Yeah, it depends. I mean, if we're doing fillers, I mean, I personally, even though Laura does all the fillers, I haven't did a filler. I, mean, I haven't done a filler, I don't know, probably in two years. <laughs> okay. um, I, I, but chlorhexidine to me is still the best if you're going to yeah. do fillers. Botox, straight alcohol is fine. Yeah. Okay, perfect. And um, just to sort of reiterate, Australians can get your skincare range on TVSN, which is the TV shopping network. And that's yes. tvsn.com.au. And I think um, it's on Foxtel TV yep. channel 176. Six. Yep. Right, Thank you guys for doing that. Oh, no problem. Okay. And I'll uh, deliver, was it 48 hours with Australia Post, our, yeah. reliable, our reliable postal service. Well, maybe not not so much at the moment with the, there's still issues with COVID with people, you know, uh, putting so much load on the postal system, but generally 48 hours. I don't mm-hmm. know how your postal system is there over in the States, but sometimes it's a little bit, uh, it's a bit tough going here sometimes. Oh, yeah. Everything is strained. But that's why, you know, we have FedEx and UPS. We have these delivery places here. And actually, our U.S. mail. But everything is slow. Yeah. When I think about um, the U.S. Postal Service, I always go back to, I don't know whether you're a Seinfeld fan, but Newman and just... (laughs) And just the way that the, 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 the lackadaisical approach to delivering the mail, I just that always resonates with me when I hear about oh, it. Oh, yes, of course, of course. Can I ask Dr. Nassif, as an injector, I'm interested in your injecting experience. You just said that you're not really using fillers much, but are you still regularly doing toxins for your patients? Yeah, I mean, I have, like I said, I have an incredible nurse practitioner. Yeah. But, of course, you know, she had her own aesthetics when she came in, but I taught her. Yes. So do I know about it? I lecture about the complications of fillers, by the oh, way. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, internationally. And especially, uh, you know, the risks of, you know, blindness. Yes. Uh, which can happen. Um, yeah. Especially fillers. In the, and, um, I mean, there's a lot of doctors and, and, and physician centers that do fillers in the nose and do a great job. Yeah. But you, people have to know the risks. You have to be an expert, really, to know what you're doing. But even if you're an expert, you still have high risk. Yeah. And can I ask, I don't want to put you on the spot, what's your favorite toxin and why? You know, I've I, I still been a fan of Allergan. I mean, you know, I've tried all the other ones. I know there's the newer one that my office loves. I mean, the newer one, uh, wait a minute, what is it? Juvo. Yeah, Juvo, you know. But I have to tell you still for me, you know, I like Botox. Yeah. From Allergan. I still like it. I, I, I know there's four that. different ones. But, you know, uh, it's more to me, it's too. tried and true, you know. Yeah. Um, one of the d- devices that we're a massive fan over here in Australia is the hydrofacial. It seems to be getting a lot of traction here and people are loving it. And I know that we didn't mention it just before in your skincare, but you have a product that's specifically designed for the hydrofacial. Could you tell us about that? 
Yeah, the hydroglucan. Uh, yeah. This is a, a hydrating booster after the hydrofacial. And the hydrofacial, um, you know, is something that we do, our esthetician does in their office, and just like you guys out there in Australia. I mean, it really good. It's really great for cleaning out the pores because you're using the power of water to give a facial. Yeah. And, it's, and it feels incredible. And then at the end of it, you use the machine to put on your uh, booster. So I'm taking the power of my microspheres of hyaluronic acid and different types of lipids uh, to deliver in complete deep hydration to the skin. What makes all of us look older is when you lose volume. And when you lose volume in the face due to dehydration, you know, it makes you look older. You want to get that plump look. And these hyaluronic acid spheres really blow up your skin. They hold water. Uh, it's weighed a thousand times its weight in water. So it's like yeah. a big balloon that pops mm. in. So the hydroglucan, um, uh, you know, has been fantastic. It's done very well. Um, it, remember, it launched, which is wild, it launched, I think, in January 2020. And then in March, we hit COVID. Yep. And it, it, but at the launch for those two months, it was doing great. Then, of yep. course, offices shut down. And then when we, we, we opened up, I think most places started reopening up in late, uh, late, uh, no, late May for us. Yeah. yeah. And since then, things have been, still been you know, going way yeah. up. Uh, and everyone loves hydrofacial. And I can tell you there's a lot of boosters in me with hydrofacial. But, of course, I'm partial to the massive <laughs> MD hydroglucan for hydration. Yeah. Well, it seems the, um, the appetite for skincare treatments following the lockdown and all the issues of people wearing masks seems to be increasing. So yeah. I'm sure it'll only get more popular. You know. That's a good it's, point, actually. Um, Sorry, did did you guys also see that massive spike after the lockdown ended with, you know, people just coming in requesting surgeries that they'd never really committed to before? Well, two things. When, the, when everyone was home, um, we had a massive sky, uh, uh, a spike of skincare sales, first of all. Mm -hmm. uh, May and, I mean, uh, April and May were huge for us in regards to skincare. And then when we came back, because everyone's wearing masks, especially the biggest feature in the eyes, but especially you can cover your face. So people were doing noses or people staying at home. So we've had a, you know, a beautiful spike. It's been still steady um, all through the holidays. Things are actually taking a little bit of a slowness right now because everyone is afraid because California has been shut down primarily. But we're still doing surgeries and we're you know, very safe. Uh, and so it's still happening. Brilliant. Um, with the non-surgical side of the industry seems to be just growing at an exponential rate year on year. I mean, Jake and I were curious as to what your thoughts were on what the industry may look like in the next five to 10 years. If you had to pull out your crystal ball, you know, see crystal ball. <laughs> yeah. I, I think if anything, there's more technology keeps evolving. I think more minimally to non-invasive procedures are going to go to continue. That's what I think. I, I think there's going to be less surgical tools except for the revision surgery and stuff where it knows. Yeah. But I think the more and more technology goes with ultrasound or radio frequency, I think you're going to start getting better results on body tightening and face tightening. Yeah. I think you've chosen the one specialty that won't go away. It's, you know, complex trauma, reconstruction and revision. You know, that's always going to be around. Dr. Nassif, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, is there anything you wanted to say to people in Australia to wish them a Merry Christmas? Yeah, Merry Christmas. Uh, happy Hanukkah if it works there yeah. too. Happy holidays to everybody. 
Um, and please visit TVSN because that's right before Christmas holiday. So get some of our incredible products. I think everything's pretty much, they're doing a great job on the sale because it's, they've been there for 25 years. And I want to tell you guys, David and Jake, it's a pleasure meeting both of you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, I look forward when I, you know, life yeah. goes back to normal. I'll take another trip out there. Yeah, we'll hop on uh, Dr. Tavakoli's boat. We'll go out to Taronga oh, yeah. Zoo and yeah, we'll uh, right. go we'll and swim with some bull sharks. Yeah, and I'll watch this time. I'll just yeah. have a cocktail on the boat. <laughs> Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and say uh, hi to Brittany again for us. Um, sure. Enjoy your Christmas and stay safe. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Take Thank care. You. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. For our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at inside underscore aesthetics. During the week before every recording, look out for our Instagram stories as we'll give you the opportunity to submit your questions to our guests and get a shout out. You can also DM us for any other information, suggestions or guest requests.